0: Well, welcome to the Tech Talk Show, an hour of news, views and
1: discussion. Dan, welcome back. You're Hi, back indeed, after yeah. a little break. A
2: small sabbatical. A, a
1: small sabbatical, yeah. <laughs> well, was it good? Uh, yeah, I had a lovely time, thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Nice, nice to have you back as well. Uh, in the studio, we've got Rich Walker. Rich, welcome. Hi. And uh, Rich comes from Shadow Robot, so we're going to talk about that nice. in a minute. Uh, we're also joined... By John uh, Norton from Concord Security. John, thank you for joining us on the show as well. And we're going to talk to you a little bit later on about security monitoring, management and stuff like that. So that's great. Um, we've also got unboxing. And Dan, it's going to be our last unboxing it is our last unboxing. Yeah, it is. sad to see it go, but I think we'll have a great one. We'll finish yeah, up I on a good one. I hope so, way. yeah. And we're going to have a little pre-record. Uh, but first of all, I think we got a few news items to go through. Yeah, we have got a few yeah, news. Yeah. 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 So I'll start with one. Uh, on a previous show, uh, last week, we talked about Pooch. Pooch uh, came into the show and we talked to them at Unbound, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were on Dragon's Den this week. And uh, not only did they secure funding from one dragon, they secured funding from three, believe it or not. Oh. So... Fantastic! I a real that, achievement.
2: I imagine they've been listening to the Tech Talk show. That's what I happen. think it was.
1: Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Imagine trying to uh, manage three dragons as your investors. I've been have been up there in that room in front of the dragons, have you and really? they're a fierce audience. Are they it's really? To be said. They're <laughs>
3: fierce. They're actually really helpful. You get a lot of time. They talk to you. They give you ideas. They give you hints. They give you clues. They tell you things they do in your situation. And then they don't give you money.
1: No, no. <laughs> it, I should think it's really nerve wracking that walk up. Is yeah. it? Yeah, and yeah. it's a very, very hot room as well. Just is to it? make you. I ev- suppose all the lights. And
2: because and of yeah. The, yeah the, they yeah. don't do
1: anything to cool it down. Just no. to really roast you. Yeah, <laughs> put you on the spot. Gosh. So yeah, and Dan, you've got some other news. Go yeah, on.
2: it'd be interesting to see if Rich has got um, um, much opinion on this as well. But th- so um, in the news today was that 116 robotics experts have been in contact with the UN to urge them to prevent the development of lethal autonomous tech.
1: Really? Yeah. So then that reminded me of 1985, the first Terminator film. <laughs> Did you, do you?
3: I do remember the first you Terminator remember film and several of its prequel predecessors yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Was that
1: an influencer for you? We never wanted to build killer robots. All <laughs> oh, so right, okay. kind of always a goal. Yes, like right. A simple <laughs> principle of engineering:
3: try not to kill people. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But
1: that really was the first sort of hints about artificial intelligence, really, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I suppose. Of coming, you know, being a. But being they didn't call weapon. it that, did no. they? No, I don't no. think so.
1: Cyberdyne Systems, was that? Something like that. Is that yeah. the
3: one that went out of control? Yeah, there's a Japanese company who make
1: exoskeletons for the elderly called Cyberdyne Systems. Is there really? Yeah. Why have you reused really that you name? <laughs> Yeah, why would you do that? Let's hope it's not <laughs> prophetic, yeah. So I've got this vision of all these old people with machine guns walking down the high street. <laughs> You've seen a lot of Japanese films, exoskeleton. You? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. it is a fascinating. So Rich Walker. Rich, welcome Hi. to the show. Thanks for joining us. Nice. No tell us, I mean, you've got a huge history of yeah. working in robotics. So tell us a little bit about what you're focusing on at the moment and, and how that journey started as well. So Shadow started out as a group
3: of people building robots for fun. Quite literally, we'd meet in, in an attic in Islington and, and build things that interested us. That was 30-odd years ago, and we've all got a little bit older, a little bit grayer, and a little bit wiser since then. Yeah. Uh, and these days, we're, we're focused on one, one thing we think is important, which is giving robots the ability to pick things up like a human does. If I reach something on the table, I can pick it up quickly and easily. I don't even have to think about that. If a robot tries to pick something up, it's really hard for it. So what we've been building is you call them hands for robots and the intelligence so that a robot can pick something up in the same way you can and do something with it.
1: So there must go on. No, no, no I was just, no, just, just, so just so interested.
2: What, what, um, what is it about the... the you know, the picking up that makes it so hard yeah. for robots.
1: Well, the human hand is a. I mean,
3: it's a really, really dense and complicated piece of piece of machinery. There's twenty five so or sorry, you're talking
1: time. about Dan there or Dan? <laughs> or the <laughs> hand. very dense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dense <laughs> and complicated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: And he's a bit of a machine over there, firing mm. what he. Yeah, yeah. Mm. but <laughs> the human hand is really, really complicated. Trying to get something with the same sensitivity of movement and the same number of movements mm-hmm. that took us years and years of work, and that turns out to be something that's probably too complicated to use on a factory floor. So we've now been looking at how we can build something that has the same ability, but not the same price.
1: Yeah, I can imagine, because if you took the hand joint and the articulation and then the movement within it, there must be, I don't know, what, 50 60 joints or physical movements
3: 25 movements we put about 25 motors in the base of the the, the hand to control that we have sensors there's two or three sensors for each
1: joint it's a real feat of engineering packing things in getting that to work Mm. and then I suppose it's not just about the movement. I'm looking at my hand while I do this for some unknown reason reason, but (laughs) it's about feel uh, feel grip pressure also you dependent on what type of object it is we realized yeah. that we were in a, what you might call a, a
3: the healthy area of the, the, the technological ecosystem when we discovered that there were other companies making fingertips for robots. Right. So <laughs> we build a robot hand. There's two or three companies you can buy different types of fingertips for, for hours or for other types of hmm. robots. Hmm. And those give it that sensing, that ability to touch something and feel and, and understand what it's interacting
1: and with. And has uh, the huge uh, improvements in um, prosthetic limbs helped at all for you?
3: It's interesting that people who design prosthetics are working in a very different space to us. If you're wearing something on your body all day, like my glasses, you want it to be light, cheap, portable, not have batteries... Not have any complicated switches on the side of it to turn off and on, whereas with something that goes on a robot, you don't care about any of those. You want no. to put the functionality there. So we're, we're kind of designing things very differently. Okay. All the people we know who do prosthetic hands, we meet up with them and kind of we swap hints and tips on like what material are you using for doing that and what motor are you using for doing mm-hmm. that. But we're not competing in the market, which is kind of a nice place to be.
2: Yeah. And I'm just wondering. So um, obviously, you know, we have you know four fingers and a thumb, you know, the, the opposable thumb. Is that the you know, is that a similar sort of design that you use, or do you, is there a more optimum sort of configuration? We start out copying the human hand
3: as closely as possible for two reasons. Firstly, we had a good working example. We knew that did everything we wanted to do. Yeah. And secondly, you can put a glove on and track your movements and put that into a robot hand. Ah, I see. And so you can put a robot somewhere else and control it. So in a security application, you can have a robot in a hazardous area doing a task for you. And when you try and control it, it's doing exactly what you think it should do, because it's got the same tools. But that's the kind of high-end solution. Mm -hmm. So now we're looking at how do we build things that can just grasp things well, and those will be simpler,
1: more effective, maybe only three fingers rather than five. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of engineering. So uh, how are you controlling the movement of the fingers? So servos, but what sort of are they electrical... So so there's an electric motor for each finger joint that drives a a tendon that
3: goes up from the base through the the wrist to the, the finger. We sense the forces on that tendon so we know how hard we're pulling it or we know if it's being pushed back again so we can make the the hand effectively soft because it can tell that it's being reacted to. Then we put sensors on the joints so we know where they are, and we're looking at how to build skin over the surface of the hand so it has the kind of same ability to touch things that you do and feel that it's contacting them. Skin's still a way off, though. We keep seeing people say, we've made something that will be skin for robots, and we look at them and like, yeah, five, <laughs> ten years, another five, ten years. Yeah. And is that to do with the skin element of it? I assume it's the skin is, Skin touch. is very hard to get something that goes over the surface and is flexible. You can do it relatively easily over a flat surface, yep. but if you think about your fingers you've got these things that are folding up and bending and creasing and as you know almost anything electrical when you start folding it and bending it and creasing like it. it doesn't no. like it
1: no. and, and it, I assume it's about the sensors within the um, skin as well which are really important are they yeah you, there are several different ways you can detect that you're touching
3: something or that you're pressing it or the shear going on or the temperature of it and which sensors you use and where you
1: put them is still a kind of it's a black art no one's really worked that out yet So tell us, uh, what industries are the main users or what industries do you focus on? We joke that for the last 20 years, our customers
3: have all had the same first name, (laughs) Professor. (laughs) (laughs) But now we're starting to see people in, in industry look at what we're doing and say, oh, yeah, we can see where we can do that. And typically you'll see... It's somewhere where you'll walk around a production site and there'll be lots of people doing really boring jobs where they just pick something up and hand it to another machine, okay. or hand it to a machine. know, they're, they're doing the kind of flexible bit and the machine's doing the rigid bit. So what we're trying to do is to say, OK, how can we get the robot to do picking the bit up and giving it to the other robot and make that bit reliable and robust and then the humans can be freed up to do other more important tasks around the site?
1: I mean, there are some horrendous jobs out there that involve picking or whatever you know yeah. I don't know how people do where they do litter pick you know where yeah. they, they're sorting or whatever else is that something that you would that's absolutely something we've, we've looked at one thing we see there is
3: that what you're doing is you're not just picking the thing out but you're recognizing Yeah, that you that's right. See, some, oh that's that that's that yeah. type of plastic that's that type of wood that's that yeah. type of paper so getting that kind of simultaneous the vision to see the object and understand it and then the gripper to come out and pick it up that we see is a key step And is that something you're working on? That's something we're very, very actively working on at the moment. We've got a bunch of projects running with researchers, with companies looking at how we can go from what we can do today, add that bit, add that bit,
1: add that bit, get to a whole system. And do you see that having a... I mean, what will happen with employment? Obviously not your issue, but what (laughs) would happen with employment? It's a really,
3: really fundamental issue. We know that in the UK we are... Our productivity is very low compared to other countries of a similar kind of economic (laughs) background, shall we say. Uh, We're not very good at bringing automation into our factories. You know, there's the old joke, you go to a German factory, they show you the amazing shiny new machine they just bought. You go to a British factory, they show you the machine that the founder bought 50 years ago and they've still (laughs) got it running. How true. Yeah. Yeah. So we see that if you add automation, companies get more efficient. They can make things more cheaply. Their productivity goes up, which means actually five years
1: later, they're employing more people in better jobs. Yeah, so um, I spent some time with a... It's actually a fruit producer, but they're a yeah. propagator. Uh, and they said to me, actually, one of the biggest areas that they see... Because uh, fruit production's moved forward, food production's... Yeah. You know, there's huge tech in it now. But actually, there's not a lot of tech in the way it's picked. No, it's still... And that is... Some, yes, yeah. it is. And then he said that, actually, that will be another area of, of tech going forward. Yeah, Yeah, we've certainly done some work looking
3: at how you can bring robot technology into farming like that. And it comes down to how do you see a ripe
1: strawberry?
2: Well, Uh, yeah, what is a ripe strawberry? Yeah, exactly. And I
1: suppose that is,
2: yeah, that must be quite difficult to do. Yeah, Yeah. Um, so I know you're involved in lots of different projects um, and lots of different bits of research. I'm just wondering what are the sort of most exciting ones you've been involved in? I think probably the, most, the single most exciting one was when,
3: when I got a phone call from a TV producer and he said, would you like to take a collection of artificial body parts and turn them into a person? And I said, <laughs> would you like me to be Baron von Frankenstein? He said, yes, that's yeah. the working title of the program. Uh, and we ended up doing a, a really nice documentary for Channel 4 and Smithsonian about exactly that. What are the artificial body parts that you can get now? Hmm. Do they work? How well do they work? can you put them all together into something? And we, we made a kind of a cyborg-y thing that toured the world, went to various museums. It's a really great piece of TV, How to hmm. Build a Bionic Man. And I'm still really pleased with that. I'm really proud of it. Hmm. And yeah. it worked. It did what it sw- was supposed to do on the tin, show that you had all the bits and they worked. We got it to stand up, we got it to walk using a walking frame, like one of those Japanese exoskeletons. It's yeah. actually from New Zealand, weirdly. Don't know why they're making exoskeletons. No. Yeah. It had blood. It had blood pumped around in its body. Okay. You could the purpose see things that? and reach it. That was showing that you could get an artificial heart, you yeah. can get artificial blood vessels, and you can get artificial blood. Okay. So all three the, of those worked. Gave the same yeah. effect. Pumped it through an artificial lung, which will let you breathe. There was an artificial pancreas in there. There's some people looking at how to build artificial livers. So we had a little piece of one of those and a piece of an artificial kidney. Those bits weren't doing anything. So but where they were, did the all research did
1: start to try and find all that?
3: The, the poor TV producer who had to do the research. He's <laughs> oh, now a world-class expert that? in prosthetics. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. So uh, walking-wise, obviously we do see robots that can walk. Yeah. But that's still quite difficult, is it? Walking on two legs is really, really hard. It's actually what we started out building. The first thing we
3: built was a was a biped. We got it to kind of stand up and shuffle around a bit. Uh, and then all these Japanese bipeds started turning up in the, the 1990s where yeah. they yeah. spent hundreds of millions developing them. And we kind of went... Ah. Okay, 800-pound gorilla, <laughs> let's go somewhere else. And we went into doing hands instead. Mm. But if you go to the Science Museum, they've got a big exhibition on robots at the moment, and you can see our original biped made of wood and washing machine valves and reclaimed materials next to this really, really high-tech Japanese robot from Honda that's the first one they ever built. And it's a nice contrast. Mm. <laughs> well, that, where do you see that going next, some of the, the m- mobility issues and going forward? I think you'll see robots that can move around in the house. You can see robots that move around in factories on shop floors, and they won't need... Legs, because Mm. honestly, most places you can traverse with a wheelchair and a bit of
1: agility. If you can get around it in a wheelchair, a robot can get around that on wheels. Exactly. So, and I assume that's things like picking, sorting, gathering, and a lot of these tasks you don't
3: need to move around anyway. The robot can just sit in one place and have a long enough reach to do it. If you if it's going to move somewhere else, it's because you're rebuilding your production line.
2: Yeah. Mm. And do you think we're going to get to the point because you know we were promised you know back in the '60s or whatever there'd be robots around the home you know doing bits you know doing stuff for us. We'll, do you think we'll ever get to that sort of you know Android idea that's you know doing some work for us? And
3: Whether it's an Android or not, I don't know. Uh, we're pretty close to not hmm. needing to drive. We'll have cars that just drive us for us, so we'll just go car, take me somewhere, and mm-hmm. the car will do that. That strikes me as a pretty good dream just to get to that.
2: Yeah, actually, I, I don't mind that. I like the idea of autonomous cars. The magic, the magic scooter to take yeah. you somewhere.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. A, yeah, I like driving though.
2: Yeah, I don't mind driving, but I like the idea of just popping in somewhere. And... Yeah,
1: but that's because it involves alcohol. <laughs> well, it doesn't <laughs> have you, to involve alcohol. Well, it. no, but I mean... You, yeah. It overcomes one of your yeah. life problems. We'll see a resurgence yeah. in the country pub, finally.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, that would be worthwhile, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to do it one-handed, but, you know, it's difficult work.
1: Sorry, if we moved on to something no. else? <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we still talking about... My... Resurgence yeah. of the local pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, I don't know So, if you could design yeah. some functionality that you wanted to what would it be around robotics at the moment what we're trying to do is to make something that's just got the same
3: ability to hold things as a human to do it really really well so it doesn't drop stuff so it can move around quickly it can get that and it will just do it for you so you don't have to go how do i get this to work yeah it's just a really really it's one of those things it sounds really simple a robot that can pick things up reliably
1: mm. Yeah. And so that's what that's what to look for next that's like. our challenge Yeah. Um, in, in terms of countries, who do you think leading the, the way at the moment? A lot of good stuff going on across Europe.
3: There's interesting stuff in Japan. The Chinese keep coming out with new stuff at a, a furious rate. The US, you always look to the US to see what's going on. Yeah. But actually, yeah, China is really coming out with some impressive stuff at the moment. A huge amount of money has gone into funding their universities. Lots of spin-outs, lots of startups, lots of, start-ups, lots of
1: investment there. And that's around robotics and other Around stuff? robotics yeah, technology. Really? yeah, yeah. That's amazing. that's yeah. incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is incredible, isn't it? Well... Thanks for joining us. I know you're going to stick with us for the rest of the show. Looking Looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's great. So, um, Dan, it's time for Unboxing. So. I'll just get the box. Just get the box. Well, uh, the last one of the show. And. uh, For Danny there. Same box as always.
2: Well. Well. Yeah, same box as always. Don't sound too depressed by Yeah. Mm. Oh.
1: Anyway, so uh, what we do, uh, we have a piece of tech hey. and uh, we're going to share it with you and we'll see uh, what we think of it.
2: Okay, so um, it's a small white box. Okay. Um, by Augmentify IT and okay. it's a um, space augmented reality uh, so, quiz game. Shall I hand so it round? So,
1: pass the, the box round. Yep. So, what do you think of the actual packaging, first of all? John, what do you reckon?
0: Um, well,. <laughs> i think it could be a bit more exciting but i don't want to maybe it gets more exciting when you look inside it yeah it so, yeah, could well be couldn't it i do think so yes it does yep be, yeah I think are, you, are you a
1: big space it. fan
0: um <laughs> that's a big question uh yeah i just i just think this needs to grab you a bit more mm. in terms of um that that front cover actually yeah. i don't know what you think yeah but I, I, I'll be it across checking the, with
1: producer Danny because we, we need an app to run it so I just want to yeah. make sure he's got it on his phone I've got so seeing it across the table I was intrigued by it like, why is there a thing floating
3: above the above the pack of cards it would have been nice if it was a hologram wouldn't it oh, Ooh, that would have been nice yeah, really yeah. nice if that yeah, was a hologram definitely. feels interesting it feels like there's something in there yeah. let's have a look
1: let's have a look at the packaging yeah I quite like that <laughs> yeah well we know what it does because obviously we had the guest on the show the other day but i think this is going to be actually quite good i'm looking at that it's grabbing me anyway so yeah let's get it out and uh we'll see uh what we can do so um uh-huh. basically, okay basically
0: uh-huh
1: right so there are a number of cards there are. in the uh in the pack oh what's on the back of the cards uh, so
2: you've got a number i mean there's um instructions on how to play and what have you and how to find them but on each of the um on each of the cards there's a there's a there's a sun, Milky Way, Mercury, so it goes through planets. And on the back of each, um, gives you some information about um, some information about the um, the celestial body that you happen to be looking at. So shall I hand some of these around? Yeah, hand
1: them around and then yeah. we'll get the uh, Is this Top Trumps with planetary <laughs> features? Yeah, <laughs> I think it could be, yeah. I always end up with the Oort cloud. <laughs> That's only oh, ever played I played Top like Top Trump's like motors myself. Top Trump's motors. Friend of mine wants to do top Trump
3: dictators. Oh, hey, yeah, wouldn't yeah, that yeah. be
1: good? <laughs> yeah, that would be. there we've got a few over the years, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> so I'm just having a look. Oh, I have Earth. I've got the sneezes. I know that. Well, I've got a black hole, and I <laughs> appear to be so
3: definitely winning on the top Trump
1: stage. Yeah, yeah that's, so, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speed up, dance. Slow oh, okay. Right. Okay. Oh, it's a quiz. Right. Continue. Okay. What colour is a black hole? There we go. I'll ask you a question. It doesn't have a colour.
0: Yeah. I would agree. Mm. I don't Light think it can't escape a colour, from it. I'm going to go colour, white.
1: Colour. No, it is black. <laughs> doesn't have a colour. Oh, well. What but colour? <laughs> we've just done that. Continue. Okay. What is the event horizon? A black hole? Tiny point at centre of a black hole, boundary around a singularity, or gas, dust and star.
2: It's boundary, isn't it?
1: Yeah,
3: it's a bit you can't get back past. Hmm. Boundary around... Just where the spaceship with the big knifed
1: robot floats in the old (laughs) film. Just let you know we've gone on to low power mode. Oh, haven't you? We were correct. Black holes can bend water, light, dreams or shapes.
2: Oh, I like the idea of bend, it bending, bending dreams. dreams. Yeah. yeah, you would, soft.
1: <laughs> well, obviously it's light. Bear in mind, this is for a three-year-old. Right, uh, let me... Should on. we have a look at one of the one of the others? Yeah, so... Uh, Rather than just playing it yourself, Steve. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, here we go. Rich. Poss- possibly not that one. That's the phone. <laughs> That's the app. And uh, you just play okay. with
3: it. So, a point, point at This card. Yep. And it's gone think, it's gone think, and it's come back with a blue screen. Okay. Play quiz, yes. What position is Neptune in distance from the sun? Oh. Well, three, six, seven, or eight?
1: Uh, Neptune. I think it's eight. S- seven. Seven. I'll go seven. Is it seven? Yeah. Let's
3: go seven. It was eight. Oh, oh.
1: you were right for once, Dan. Yeah.
3: Okay. And what aspect of Neptune helped in its discovery? Size, shape, storms, or gravity? Mm, Storms. Storms? Mm. Gravity, wasn't it? Gravity. Ah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. John, do you want to
1: go? How do we get back to the... That's it. Home button, top right. I mean, I like the uh, functionality, it's quite simple. Yeah, uh, how's, what's that
3: like to, to I, d- I like the AR overlay, they're the pointing at the thing and going, like, wh- what's going to come up there, what's going to come up there? It. There it is, I recognised it.
1: You may need to come away a bit. OK. That's it. it that's it, has it, it gone up. into it?
0: So if it's you pull it doing up now. something yeah. here, yeah. You've got the clouds up. rendering. Yeah. Oh, here it's here found the earth. It's found the earth. If you go up, Now do I go play quiz? Yeah. Uh-huh. Ooh. Dan- Earth has. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Earth has four main layers. Which two make up the plates? Is it the mantle and crust, outer core and crust, inner core and mantle, or inner plus outer cores?
1: Mantle, mantle and crust.
0: crust. Yeah, I'd say. mantle and crust. What's the age for these cards? Um,
1: it says on the box, doesn't it?
0: And how do I know whether that's correct?
3: If it's gone, it's gone green, it's correct. Ah, if it's green, yeah, good. it's good. Oh, okay. yeah. Actually, it's good because yeah. there's
1: also questions on the back, quiz questions on the back. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's a description as well.
0: I Do think you want one more on the Earth. Yeah, why yeah. not? All Come nice. on. I, we I, I actually. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what percentage of Earth's water is found in the oceans? Is it seventy percent, sixty percent, ninety-seven percent, or eighty-eight percent?
1: Oh, I'm going to go seventy. Oceans is ninety-seven. Is it? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going.
0: With that. I've got a 97 and a 70. And I'm going to press 97 then, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think you're right, and it's green, yeah, and it's great. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to ask who's got yeah. Uranus? <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I had
1: to say that, didn't I? <laughs> and, and we have, oh, here we go, okay. Right, So let's pass it over. Do you want to? No, no one's claiming ownership, yeah, Dan, you no, can, yeah, let you do that one. I'll do okay. the jokes, you do the thingy. <laughs>
2: Okay, just going, uh, going home. Oh. oh I mean if, it does pick it up very quickly, doesn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's quite good, actually. Could Can you pass the box way? over, John? Let's yeah, have a look sure. at that. Yeah. So it okay. says it's for oh, three upwards. Oh, okay, yeah. And um, it's a play quiz. I don't think that's too bad, you.
2: Yeah. I, I think I'd have been challenged with this at three. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um... Uh, which chemical element was named after Uranus? Um, ne- <laughs> Neptunium, Plutonium, Uranium, or Promethium?
1: Well, I've got to go yeah, with the it. obvious one. Being a three-year-old, I'm going to go Uranium.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yes, has to be. Strangely, you're all right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Do you want one more?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's get another question from Uranus. <laughs>
2: uh, the um, the planet Uranus is cold and sunny, cold and windy. Hot and sunny, or sunny and windy?
3: Cold and windy. It must cold. be cold. It sounds yeah. cold think, and windy. Yeah, it does, yeah. sound yeah. Yeah. Mm. Sunny. Oh,
2: that's green as well. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, you're doing really well. You're not embarrassing yourself, no, chance. Oh, <laughs> we're good at <laughs> this. So, one more? Or, or yeah, of we? course. Yeah, why oh, not? Okay. Oh, excellent. Okay. <laughs> the spin of Uranus is known as retrograde, downgrade, reverso, upgrade. Retrograde.
1: Uh... Just to be different, downgrade, but I have no idea.
2: So um, we know it's retrograde. So <laughs> do we, try, we? <laughs> we try downgrade. We'll try downgrade. No, no dear. No. Oh, dear. <laughs> so
1: um, what do you think of the cards? I think the cards are very nicely printed and made. Yep. I really like that. They feel I li- good. I like yeah. the fact that um, there's, there's sort of uh, background information on the back. We've also got uh, extra fact cards, which I think are really, really good. Mm.
2: Uh, and I, I do really like the app. The way that the app works, it picks up the yeah. the picture very quickly, and then once it's got it, and then you, you're able, the way you're able to then view the, um, it's a uh, let's do that, where you're then able to.
1: It goes straight into it. Yeah, it's really yeah, um, yeah really, really very go.
2: clever. So you can see the, the, ring there, the outer ring of Uranus.
1: Oh yeah, I'm going to try it on mm. a. I've got uh, gravitational waves. Oh yeah. A, where does that take you? So surfing. Wow, that's quite impressive. Yeah. Have a look at that. Rich, have a look at that one. It? So it gives a bit of a, pictu- pictural, a Whoa. pictorial. Whoa! Yeah, those are yeah.
3: rotating weird gravitational waves doing wow. something yeah. on the phone. Yeah, that's so really good. That's good.
1: John, you can see that. I did see that. Yeah.
0: yeah it Who predicted
3: yeah. the existence of gravitational waves? Mm. Copernicus, Newton, Herschel, or Einstein?
2: So Einstein, I think, wasn't
1: it? Well, I'd say
3: Newton.
2: I'd say Newton, but. I... Uh,
3: Einstein's mm-hmm.
1: normally the answer, but let's go Newton. It was Einstein. Oh. Oh, it was probably before his time, yeah. really, wasn't it? So, um, traditionally, we say uh, grade what we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of the box? How much of that? I think it's oh. just under £10 for that set of cards. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, what
0: do you think of that?
2: Um, so Out of, you know, uh, back in the box where it rocks, I'd say that rocks. Space
0: sure. rocks. Space rocks. Yes, Space Rocks is enjoyable, um, informative, and um, I think, yes, I'd agree with you. I'd say it rocks. Space Rocks. the Asteroid, Asteroid cards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rich?
1: Space Rocks. Yeah, Asteroid I think card. it's, yeah, I think it's yeah. excellent. What a great way to learn, yeah. uh, and uh, also to play, learn, and mm. uh, a bit of competition there as well.
2: One of my nephews is really into space, so that I'm going to get that for him, I think. Yeah, I think cool. it's
1: really, really good. It uh, just shows how, how little I know, really.
2: Well, I've been trying to tell you. Yeah. True, true.
1: <laughs> anyway, great. So it rocks, and that's really good to hear. So thank you. Brilliant. So, Dan, that was unboxing. Fantastic, hey? That was. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed, enjoyed that. that. So uh, now we're going to go to a pre-record. Tell us who we got.
2: I think we got Andrew Coe from um, Personalise, and hey. um, I think um, met them at um, Unbound. Brilliant. Let's hear what they've got to say.
1: So, um, I'm speaking to Andrew Ko now from Personalize. Andrew, welcome to the show.
4: Yeah, great, thanks, thanks for having me.
1: And uh, Personalize, um, tell me a little bit about what you've developed and what you're promoting at Unbound today.
4: Yeah, okay. So, Personalize, what we've created is the world's most powerful profiling technology. Uh, what that means is if you give us a Twitter handle, an Instagram handle, within seconds, you'll know everything about that uh, person on those platforms. And of course, that's immensely powerful You know, for brands to understand their audiences on a very, very deep and granular level.
1: I mean, uh, having customer information or client information is really important, but the thing is, is now, it's, there's so many different channels into a company, it can be really hard to know who, who your clients are and their profile,
4: yeah? Yes, yes, absolutely. Like there's just so many touch points now uh, for a customer uh, and from a brand's perspective, right? So they really need to start looking from you know, all sources of data to really understand customers and you know how they're how they're thinking you know what makes them purchase their products and the thing is with social is that it's always on right it's a stream of human consciousness and to be able to tap into that is increasingly becoming more important
1: so um what sort of information will you draw out of a particular Let's say let's take twitter how how will you draw out information so be age sex profile spending profile things like that
4: Um, No, not so much spending itself. So like, you know, social, unless they say, oh, I bought something at, you know, um, Topshop, we won't be able to know. But uh, there is a a wealth of information on social, such as what kind of brands they're interacting with, what kind of brands they're following, you know, um, what brands they engage with, uh, along with, you know, name and and demographic information. We also pick up behaviors, their interests and their personalities.
1: And then so from that, obviously, you've got some very smart tech that sits behind that to draw that into a, a package of information. How, how would your client use
4: that information? Yeah. So we have two ways that our clients are using the data now. So the first way is uh, uh, software as a service platform, so our SaaS dashboard. And that is, uh, of course, we're early stage, so still in a beta phase. But even in beta, it's immensely powerful. And the agencies and the brands we are working with have accessed um, their planning and insights from that dashboard, as well as social ad targeting, so that that's one way. And another way is we have what's called an API, so it's almost like a, a gateway into our raw data, which then uh, companies can use to append to any of their existing data to make it th- a much more valuable data set. Yeah. So,
1: so either it's new information, but also they can increase their profile by using certain uh, additional information we're able to provide to
4: them. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And the thing is, with what we're doing is that. Um, you know, we're, we're not picking up data that anyone else like can't get, right? So this is all like publicly available information. But the, the special sauce of what we built is that we structured the data. And it's really funny because, you know, there's all this talk about AI and machine learning and how it's going to solve the world's problems. But actually, you can't just chuck AI at something and expect miracles to happen. You need to train the AI first. And that's actually the hardest part is having data that... Um, AI can learn from and that's actually what we've painstakingly built over the past couple of years um, to then have this really pure data set for social which we're now using machine learning and artificial intelligence to scale out the the tech.
1: Because if if there was human interface you, you just couldn't trawl through that much information could you?
4: Yeah, no, no. But um, to build this training set, actually, my brother, who's the CTO and the co-founder, uh, we did manually <laughs> trawl through the data. And I think that's really what makes us special is that we manually made sure that these, this data that we have categorized or tagged is what we say it is or what it is. And then that ensures that the models we've built with, uh, with uh, computers and machine learning can then take that data to, to really scale out the business.
1: So um, you're looking at a funding round at the moment, is that right?
4: Yes. So uh, we bootstrapped to date because we, our motto is, you know, we should always show something. You know, we don't want to just be all talk. We want to show something. So we have, we have market, you know, we have product market fit. There's validation, agencies and brands, some of the biggest in the world are paying us for what we're doing. So right now we're going for a seat. our first funding round, seed round. It's uh, five hundred thousand pounds, of which uh, a little bit more than half has already been filled, and so we have uh, two hundred and thirty thousand pounds left and uh it seems like it's it's going to be filling up quite quickly yeah but but again having said that once unless the money's in the bank you just keep going right i mean
1: that that can consume a huge amount of time in terms of work time as well can't it
4: absolutely fundraising you know it's everyone knows how hard it is, but when you're doing it, it's about five times as hard as you thought it was. It's literally like two full-time jobs on top of your other full-time job, which is sales, on top of your other full-time job, which is, you know, so it's just, fundraising has just been such a, um, like it's, it's a necessary evil, but it's just been so much work for us, which, you know, for us, we just want to close around because we have so much uh, interest in our pipeline. We just want to get on with it, like just staff up and build. And we, it's it's amazing how much demand we have for our uh, technology.
1: No, that's great. I mean, it's good to hear about it as well. And and your experiences, we get lots of uh, people on the show and listening to the show that are going through exactly the same thing. And you know, everybody, everybody says, one, how difficult it can be, and how much time it takes to get to the end." Yeah.
4: Yes, absolutely agree. I think those are the two, you know, the time aspect especially because. Luckily for us, we haven't met a lot of VCs or, or investors like this, but there are a lot of investors out there that kind of want to invest and kind of don't. And, you know, so it's kind of not really putting their, you know, 100% into it. And they just want to kind of feel the market. And for startups like us that really have limited time, we really can only speak to the investors that actually want to invest right now. So it's it's been really hard to try to figure out who's who wants to invest now and who's just kind of... You know, feeling out the market to invest in six months, and as a startup, we don't even know if we're going to be around for six the next six weeks, right? So, yeah. So it's it's that's I think it's the time aspect. Yeah.
1: Well, um, that sounds really positive. Where can people get more information about Personalize?
4: So uh, just go to our website. So it's personalize.ai. So you can go there. Uh, we also have a Twitter account. So it's personalized .ai. So that's at personalized AI. Um, and then that you know, from our website, you can also see our Facebook page, and our LinkedIn page, etc. But it's all under Yeah.
1: Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Great to hear. And uh, I'm pleased you had a great show.
4: Yeah, great. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you. Great. Thank you.
1: So we're now joined on the show by John Norton. John, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks Hi. for joining us. Hi, John. Hi. So uh, Concord Security is your company. Uh, tell us a little bit about Concord Security and the services and things you supply. Okay, Yeah.
0: well, um, we're a a new startup here in the UK, uh, actually um, set up uh, January this year here. But um, we're actually a wholly owned subsidiary of Concord Security, who are based in Singapore. And um, it's probably best if I tell you a little bit about the history of... Yeah, uh, definitely. uh, Sort of tell us how we've arrived in the UK. Um, Concord was set up um, just over 20 years ago in Singapore, and set up as your traditional man-guarding company. Uh, by a guy called Alan Tua. And uh, so he spent his first 18 years providing um, static guards, as we call them, uh, to buildings in Singapore.
1: So like more conventional so in terms of personnel and, and those sort of old type security services. Yeah, that's what you could call yeah. <laughs> we'll call yeah. it the old type. Traditional. Traditional. Very
0: traditional. There's yeah. a building, let's put a man in there. Hmm. So Alan did that very well. Um, and I think... After 18 years, he felt he'd taken the company as, as far as he could, really. Yeah. And um, he, a couple of things happened. A, a drastic manpower shortage in Singapore. Um, there's a shortage of about 10,000 guards um, down, so it's quite serious. Yeah. And um, the government uh, had to do something. So they've uh, put in a number of incentives for people uh, to replace the need for manpower technology. So a couple of things. Alan thought, well, what else can I do with Concord? Because I think I've taken it. There's only so far I can take this in Singapore. Sure. Um, but he also started to think um, perhaps there's a better way to protect buildings rather than putting a, your traditional old-school man in a building, especially overnight, and expecting him not to fall asleep, mm-hmm. expecting him to be able to cover all of that building by himself, to see every nook and cranny of that. And he thought, well, surely there must be something else he can do. So backed by the government's uh, incentive for technology as a driving force, and um, his belief that there must be a better way, he actually worked with two of his clients to see what they could actually devise, what what could they come up with. And um, what they came up with is uh, a unique solution, which is called IFS in Singapore, which is really a mobile command and control center. And what happens instead of um, let's imagine you've got 10 buildings in an area and yep. each of these buildings might have one security officer well instead of doing that um, what concord will do is replace the need for all those officers set up a network of cameras to protect those buildings especially the perimeter so secure from the outside with no need to have somebody on the inside yeah. Have the vehicle patrolling uh, all of these buildings and only responding if somebody crosses the perimeter. So there's analytics on the on the cameras. Yep. Um, Concord have set up their own um, network using 3G, 4G, or TV white space in Singapore as well. Um, so there's three uh, security operatives or I-men as they call them, intelligent guards, eye guards based in the vehicle. Monitoring um, the area and responding to the information that actually comes through if they need to
1: and that was the first iteration of the uh, remote monitoring type approach
0: Yes, um, there was nothing like this um, before in in Singapore. Uh, this was um, a, a mobile it 's a mobile command and control center, but I think the key to this is the response yeah because without the response that that vehicle provides. It's, it's pretty useless. Um, mm. I think what, what you've got to look at here is um, you have to accept, first of all, that the human is the weakest link in, in the protection of a building. And that's not through any fault of the officer and what they're trying to do. It's just that you can't expect a person not to make a mistake and you certainly can't expect somebody to be everywhere all the time. Yeah, or
1: alert for a whole 12-hour shift. Exactly. I mean, Dan has trouble concentrating over 10 minutes long, really. I mean, (laughs) imagine him on a night shift. What did you say? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Squirrel. Go on. on. Um,
0: (laughs) It's very difficult. Yeah, I imagine. And and to expect somebody to sit uh, in front of a number of screens and to try and watch them um, for for periods of 12 hours is is not going to happen. And then to expect somebody, if they go off on a patrol... To cover all aspects of that building, where you know perhaps they're in one location of the building, and somebody knows, and they can break in on the other side. So you really can't can't expect that. You have to accept that that's not the best way. Um, so, uh, starting
1: with video surveillance as such, or intruder surveillance. Uh, I assume that it's like sensors and things like that. It, it's extended beyond that a lot now, hasn't it? So, w- what sort of other things are you putting into the pot in terms of monitoring and looking at? Over the sort of the, the, the emptiness during the empty periods of the building, and when it's full as well, I suppose.
0: Sure. So th- mainly, um, the video surveillance would happen overnight, yep. um, and you would have maybe simple analytics with an intrusion detection line, and if somebody crosses it, you can you can look at what's happened and respond. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's what's developed more is smarter ways to provide that service, really, um, and. What's um, happening in Singapore is the vehicle now has uh, a drone station, so a UAV station um, on built on the top. Yeah. Um, they also we also have a security patrolling robot um, called Adam. Okay. <laughs> and we'll come uh, back to Adam okay. in a minute. We'll yeah, come back to Adam. Yeah. So, so um, the idea really is that when the vehicle will turn up to a customer site, the officers don't need to to leave the site because the UAV can go on a scheduled patrol and the images can be monitored back on the vehicle. And then, if any action is required, of course, you can see what's happening. You can also have thermal imaging on uh, from the drone so you can see if anybody's in the area that shouldn't be or if anybody was there and they've just left. So that's proving very, um, very useful. Um, I assume,
1: especially for open compounds or other type, you know, maybe plants or open plant areas. Yeah,
0: yeah very useful in terms of not putting um, security officers into, into a dangerous position mm, yeah. because they no longer have to go off on foot and um, see what's happening. Uh, they use the drone to support that and back up. Yeah. Um, of course, the other thing the vehicle can do is go somewhere else if, you know, if you're in a, a local area and the drone can still be patrolling a different, uh, a different site and you can still be monitoring what's happening in that position.
1: So the drone technology, sorry, Dan, you were going to come in. So drone technology improvements really helped you as well, I assume, that the, the quality, the image... The stability of the platform when it's flying and the ease of flying, I suppose those things are really helping you.
0: Absolutely, and uh, the, the fact that you want a drone that doesn't perhaps make too much noise sometimes mm. to, to alert True. people uh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, I
2: was just wondering about the infrastructure. So um, lots of, uh, uh, the drone aside, lots of um, bi- um, buildings have their own um, camera network and everything set up. Do you... Um, do you, do you interface with, with the existing um, uh, you know, infrastructure or do you put your own in place?
0: Our preference is to put our own in place because it's easier. Yep. Um, uh, if you, uh, what, what we're looking at doing is, is getting people firstly to say, well, look, um, we need to protect the perimeter. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you protect um, the, around the perimeter of your building, what happens inside should not necessarily be, um, be a problem. Um, but we can interface with um, what's happening inside the building if we need to, but our priority will be to, to make sure that the perimeter is the first layer of defence and that we cover that. Um, the, the other thing I think where we've made some developments in terms of what, what the vehicle can offer mm. is really in terms of how it r- can respond. It's a platform for receiving signals, mm-hmm. and uh, we were um, very pleased earlier this year to present at uh, Liverpool to Sensor City um, and they were very interested in how the vehicle could act as a, a smart response to, to sensors. So there's a lot of uh, sensor research, and there's lots of sensors in different sectors providing some, some very useful information. Mm. Uh, give, us, give us an example. So. Sure, yes, yeah, a couple of things. So on building management uh, yeah. systems, for example, that would be the obvious one, whereby they might be monitoring temperatures uh, in server rooms. Oh, there's flood monitoring, et cetera, as well. Um, And with that type of information, of course, it's vital that somebody gets to respond to that quickly. So going back to the point about the human um, not being put in an impossible position, but being in a position where they can analyse the information and then respond to it correctly, that's where we need them to be. I think one of the things that also came out of Liverpool was the various sectors. So we were talking with um, healthcare and the monitoring um, of individuals as well. And the response that perhaps you can provide um, as a check on somebody, um, sensors that will monitor a house and uh, will monitor whether the uh, water flow is the same every day. So that if nothing's happened over the morning, why hasn't it? And somebody can investigate that. And there is a need for, you know, for somebody to respond in that situation as well. So there's a number of sectors and a number of sensors as we develop that the, the vehicle can actually respond to because it's covering the area. I and mean, we, we see this as being a, a smart response. To, to smart buildings, yeah, um, mm. and that's where we see the the future going because we can receive a multitude of signals and information. Um, and we, yes, we're a security deterrent; we're very visible. But the next level for us is to be able to take on the extra information and provide that suitable response.
1: I mean, I suppose you know, five minutes—a reduction in five-minute response time—if you've got a flooded, you know, computer room, or you've got a, you know, a, um, unwanted actuation of a sprinkler head, or something like that—the damage that you could could stop would be huge wouldn't it
0: yeah damage limitation is is really the key and the advantage we have over I suppose what would be a typical solution is that the vehicle is in the area yeah Um, what would normally happen is that information would go perhaps to an alarm receiving center
1: they'd phone they'd phone up the building to see oh yeah we've got this alarm do you know what's going on
0: exactly so we have eyes on site or we have the information directly through and we're close because we'll be in that area Um, yes so You know, the the possibility for us to get there quicker is real, and we would get there quicker. The other thing, of course, that we have on the vehicle is storage capability and um, the ability to train the security officers as technicians. So if we're working um, just on one particular site, say a university site, what you'll find is that we can actually have the officers trained specifically to respond to um, incidents on that site. So if it's um, a barrier control issue that needs repairing, Not only can they attend site, but they can actually fix that as well. Um, They can carry spare parts, and we can also take this to level of first-line maintenance. So we start to add value where Mm. we're not just taking out the need for security officers, but you're cutting down the workload on um, facilities management, first-line maintenance repairs as well. Um, Working with clients, we can then train the three eye guards in the vehicle to understand that site really well Mm. and to provide that specific service. So
1: I assume one of the, one is how how hard was it to move it, translate it from Singapore to the UK, what were the difficulties you faced there, and particularly I should think the uh, mobile communication network, was that an issue? Well,
0: um, we have just built our first vehicle in the UK, Mm -hmm. and um, we exhibited at IFSEC this year mm-hmm. uh, at the Accelerino in June, uh, the vehicle is having a few final modifications. So in answer to your question, um, I haven't had any major showstoppers yet. Um, <laughs> the response at IFSEC was fantastic with everybody telling us this is brilliant. The only thing I would say is, uh, <laughs> as with a lot of things. Everybody says something's brilliant. Um, <laughs> but I need somebody to then say it's so brilliant. Come on. <laughs> mm. And, uh, as in Singapore, even with government um, incentives, there's yeah. still a mindset of tradition mm-hmm. and there's still I a mindset that says this is still the best way to do it. If you said to somebody, would you rather have a security officer inside your building or outside? And that's the question. And for us, we are asking people to to take that leap. To say, look, you don't need somebody inside there. You know, you need to, to put that with us and we will uh, offer you a better solution by patrolling and responding smartly to what happens. So... Um, issue wise not yet Um, enthusiastic response yes and uh, also we have a a couple of very interesting places where we're looking at proof of concept now um, when the vehicle is available from September so we're about to to try uh, put it as I say putting this proof in a couple of options we've got on that so I need to get back to you on um, whether well, any mobile communication problems but I, I at this point uh, it's all good
1: <laughs> that sounds promising
0: and <laughs> um, tell us about Adam then let's uh, well, well I've not met Adam yet but <laughs> no. I've only seen Adam lives in Singapore at the moment so right, okay. um, I'm hoping to get um, uh, a version of Adam here in the near future um, so Adam was launched with Concord um, in Singapore as part of the overall solution, as part of the IFS solution with the vehicle and with the drone. And um, he's working on a government site there at the moment where they are looking at um, working UAV with robot. Um, what you need to do in each case is you need to look at what is the, the best response to a certain situation, and the UAV will be a better option in some cases than, um, than Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't want to upset Adam but sometimes <laughs> he has to wait Yeah, I
1: mean, but the thing is most yeah. drones have only got an operating time of what, 7 to 10 minutes so I assume Adam can give you a little bit more flexibility Yeah, yeah. I mean
0: Adam can go on a set route, set patrol um, and um, very much he could be left on a site while the vehicle is then going to, uh, to another incident or to go and patrol another site yeah. so there are advantages there um, I think it's I'd say early days. We're, you know, we're, we're working um, to to get the best from Adam and to, to make sure that uh, he does uh, exactly what he's supposed to do. He's not put in any dangerous situations, and that he um, makes his way back at the yeah. end of the night.
1: Yeah, again, I, I bet there's a lot of money
0: tied up in that tech as well. Mm. Yes, yeah. yes, we we've got um, yes. We <laughs> so w- I know Adam has been to a few um, exhibitions as. Um, uh, uh, as well for us and uh, he's, he's uh, it's one of those things that people are very keen to see and talk about but we always say to that it's, f- it's fantastic and we love Adam but we want to make sure that Adam is used correctly on the correct site yeah. as well mm. that's yeah. fascinating
2: yeah that's that's very similar to in America they're um, trialing um, robotic security guards in some of the malls there yeah they've okay. had, and they've had problems with stairs I'm sure they have. Yeah, so I'm sure they have. It's <laughs> so the right location, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah this was the um, the robot that um, people said tried to end everything by <laughs> taking a leap into the fountain. That's right, yeah. He was actually called Steve, I there we <laughs> go. So not Steve, Marvin. Steve, <laughs> no, Steve, not Marvin, no. Steve was, um, sadly, uh, couldn't handle the steps. Yep. Yeah. And apparently, steps are, are the... Uh, steps are very tricky for um, security patrolling robots.
1: They're tricky for adults let's be honest, uh, let alone (laughs) a security (laughs) robotic security. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Where can people get more information about uh, your company?
0: Uh, Well they can uh, contact us on our website which is uh, concordsecurity.co.uk and yeah there's the contact page on there. there. Everything's there and um, yeah we'd be happy to, to sort of have a discussion with people about how, how IFS might be able to, um, yeah, to support, them. provide a better solution for them, you know, but we need to obviously look at what the current situation is and make sure that we offer them the best solution. Brilliant.
1: John, thanks for joining us. It's been great. Great to hear about what's Thank going you. on. Thank you. Thanks so very can. much. So the last thing we got on the show, Dan, mm-hmm. is Tech Talk 22. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's, it's isn't great, it? isn't it? And I know Rich is going to be one yep. of the... Uh, one, One of the judges, Judge really looking judges forward and to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, other judges include Sue Nelson, who is obviously the founder of the Tech Talk show, mm-hmm. she's going to join us, uh, Sarah Luxford, now Sarah is a director of executive search and talent development company called uh, NexEx Leaders, um, she has a lot, she's involved in a lot of uh, tech companies as well, so okay. that's great. We've got Holly Brockwell, um, founder of Gadget.com, which is great. Rich and uh, David Demin, who's been on the show before, and we see him at loads of shows, don't we? We do see him. David, right. and he's, uh, he's the CEO of Velap, which is a great bit of uh, software, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever used it, but David's great. So um, how's it going to work, Dan? Tell us a little bit about how it actually um, is going to be. I think it's um, we'll scan the market and see what's out there. We will do, yep. And then we're going to perhaps invite people... To see whether they'd like to be considered. That's right. Yeah. Think, yeah, Or they can put people forward as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the the team of judges going to have a look. We're yeah. really looking forward to it. Yeah? Um, yeah. What sort of areas will you focus on if you if you were judging?
3: I'm an engineer by background, so I'm going to look at what they're doing, how they're doing it, and whether that kind of excites and inspires me from a technical perspective. Is yeah. there something really, really interesting there? But also. Will it actually make a difference to anybody? Yeah, it's not well, just is it you. exciting, but yeah. will it make a difference?
1: Because there's nothing like a bit of engineering for engineering's sake, uh, uh, and that, we're all uh, guilty of that. Yeah, and that's the same <laughs> with a lot of people that come on the show. Actually, we see some really great ideas, but they try to make it too complicated or try to mm-hmm. put in too much functionality, and that can actually detract from the core uh, what what can be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
2: and I imagine we'll be trying to avoid all this. you know, there's lots of me too type. Um, stuff that goes on, you know. I'm doing this as well, and you know, so it's going to be celebrating the best in sort of um, innova- innovation, the most exciting, and yeah. trying to get some really interesting, you know, celebrate some of the stuff that goes so, on at the moment.
1: So, John, from your field, do you think some of the robotic stuff you've, you've you're looking at developing at the moment would that factor
0: or figure? Y- yes, I mean, I think our, our view is um, as I said earlier, you know, we need to make sure that uh, the the robot is used in the in the right environment. Yeah, um, sure. But would it factor? Yes, I'd like to think so. I mean, I think, um, you know, one of the areas that we're looking at in particular is um, fire extinguishing robots oh, cool. uh, as well. And oh, okay. For, for me, that's perhaps slightly more of use um, than necessarily than um, pushing the security. Control. Security training is fantastic, but that's perhaps got more of a customer service side to it, mm. whereas the fire extinguishing um, robot side that we also have access to is, is very interesting yeah. for us. And so you really I see how that, makes that back can difference.
3: make a solid difference to people's lives. Absolutely, mm.
0: you yeah. know, going into areas where um, it's unsafe. Yeah. But um, these, these just being able to get,
3: get there quickly
0: as well. Get there quickly and keep going, yeah. and, and to be able to go up flights of stairs as well. And, and the fact and that, that nobody
3: time. minds much if the robot doesn't come back out again. Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, that's a good point, <laughs> Exactly. Actually, yeah. I've got a confession to make because I used to work both in the nuclear industry. Uh, on a reactor uh, I was a technician and, and involved in reactor maintenance but also for a fire background as well so I did both and uh, we have had fires I've had fires personally in reactor buildings where it's quite difficult to uh, manage the extinguishing because of the time that you can only be exposed in certain areas and things like that so yeah it can be and, and had well, was 30 years ago have we had some of the robotics that you probably got now, it really would have made it a lot easier. Probably reduced the damage. I yep. think that's the other thing. So, yeah. So, um, to apply for the Tech Talk 22, I think we're going to do videos, aren't we? Yes. Danny, come on the mic. Come on. Mm.
4: So, we've actually chosen 50 um, companies there, thereabouts, um, and then we will pass these over to the judges, including Rich, obviously, um, to whittle them down to 22. It will be um, published on Tech Radar. Yeah, and that'll be in November. So this year, we haven't kind of gone with the nominations. We've kind of done it more in-house. Um, but certainly for next year, we will be looking for companies to, to uh, nominate each other and obviously themselves if they've got something all inspiring or innovation going on. So yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Obviously, it's great to be um, having something published, obviously, with TechRadar in mind as well. So we're really looking forward, really excited. So.
1: Yeah, sounds really good. So Dan, what would you want? What area of tech would you like um, to
2: I love on? the robots. Um, yeah. And um, I'm also very interested to in see where you know, what people do with AI at the moment yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big area at the moment It seems to really be expanding but.
1: I, I'm with a bit of augmented reality actually I think that's <laughs> completely uh, I think we've had a Pokemon bit But I think the rest of it is still to come personally mm-hmm. think I think there's to, a massive area there You think
3: we're going to see a whole load of really interesting games Where you're just wandering around the world And things are happening around you that aren't there And no one else can see
1: yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think there is certainly a huge market that's completely under-focused under, under focus, uh, focused yeah. on at the moment. And I think that could be uh, uh, artificial intelligence, augmented reality... Obviously, uh, some of the other stuff we're seeing around 3D and all the other yeah. uh,
2: bits. It always seems like there's, it's waiting for that next step. So at the moment, the headsets are just very large and, and the, you know, the best ones need to be plugged in all the time. So, you know, usually, you know, plugged into a computer. If once that ends up in just a, a one more much more lightweight headset with a decent battery life, then you might see it, um, you know, turning something a bit more.
1: Yeah
3: certainly usable we're going to see things i think where you have the ar is just part of your world mm-hmm. you're looking through you it's not necessarily a headset it's something you've got with you you're looking at it and through it and it's it's a different lens you can see the world in rather than taking over your vision yes all the time. Yeah. a different yeah. layer as
2: it were
1: yeah yeah well guys thank you so much for joining us on the show really really enjoyed it thank you john thanks Rich, thank and you. Uh, look forward you. to being involved with the tech talk 22 dan thank you so much Uh, there's more details about tech talk 22 on our website which is techtalkshow.co.uk and uh look forward to speaking to you and for you listening in again soon thanks very much
2: thank you